welcome to uh, Limit on the Edge. I believe it's episode number nine now. Um, Kellen is not joining me tonight. I'm your host, Lane Lemon. Uh, with me tonight is Dave Small. Uh, Dave, how you doing tonight? Doing wonderful. How, how are you doing tonight, sir? Pretty good. We're coming up on the start of college football, and that's going to be what we focus tonight's show on. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, We've so been week, waiting for months. Week one coming up here in a few days. Um, we've got a the top 25 for the new season just dropped recently. Obviously, Alabama's coming in number one. Nobody's surprised there. Clemson at number two. Um, and Georgia, all three of them were in the college football playoff last year. Uh, none of them lost any, any other quarterbacks. Um, not really... Uh, a lot of Clemson's D-line returned, uh, so we'll see the same powerhouses as we saw last year uh, duking it out um, to try and get the four spots. you got Wisconsin coming in ahead of Ohio State at four, uh, and Wisconsin, Ohio State five, um, Washington, Oklahoma at seven. I was kind of surprised to see Washington up there. I mean, they have Jake Browning. Um, I know you like him a lot. Uh, he's a senior. Kind of surprised that he was still there. Absolutely. I thought he left last year. <laughs> yeah, me too. But uh, So they have him for one more year. Um, so hopefully they're hoping that they have a lot, enough talent around him. Uh, to, I mean, the Pac-12 is a little soft, so I think a really big game we'll talk about later against Auburn uh, awaits them. Uh, you got Miami at 8, Auburn there at 9, and Penn State rounds out the top 10. Um, kind of surprised. Uh, any of these teams you see are surprised to see in the top 10? Absolutely not within yeah. the last two years. Maybe Miami uh, to have them at eight. Uh, it, they're a little high per se compared yeah. to maybe Michigan and West I thought Virginia Miami, Indians. yeah, Miami had an t- easy kind of schedule last year. I didn't think they had very many yep. tests. Um, so I think really we'll see what they're made of early as they again have a big game coming up, um, as we'll talk about later against LSU. Um, yeah. So. As we go down through the list, the top ten look pretty good to us. Uh, you've got Michigan State, Notre Dame, Stanford, Michigan, and USC in top 15. Two Big 12 uh, teams, TCU at 16, WVU at 17. Uh, Mississippi State, Florida State, and Virginia Tech round out the top 20. Um, this stuff, you know, you got UCF, Boise State, Texas, Oregon, and LSU round out the top 25. That'll sort itself out here in the first few weeks. Got a lot of... Uh, I believe we have five uh, or four ranked matchups with Alabama also playing Louisville in a Power 5 matchup. Um, and WVU playing Tennessee with another Power 5 matchup. So you've got a lot of teams up in the hunt for the top 25 that obviously will get sorted out in the next few. But who's the team that you see here and you think, okay, well, they they got the preseason hype just because of uh, you know the logo that they hold, but they won't be there here in a few weeks. I would still say it would be Miami at this moment in time, just based off of the top 10. Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Wisconsin, Ohio State, all those five teams right there have matchups where they could potentially easily win within the top, within the first week. And once you go through the six through 10, I mean, Auburn plays Georgia. Oklahoma has an easy game week one. Miami, just depending on how their team can gel, which has always been their issue within the last few years, is going to really determine how well that they're going to do this year. 
Yeah, so they bring back Malik Rozier, I believe, their quarterback. They bring hmm. him back, so he's he's pretty talented. Um, so, I mean, as you said, and I mean, we'll see how how that gels together. Uh, I would say um, I would pick someone like USC. Uh, JT Daniels was just named their starting quarterback. Uh, I think they have a kind of a, they play Stanford week two. Um, they yeah. play UNLV week one, so it'll be a, a, a decent test for the for, for the freshman week one. Then going and yeah. uh, playing Stanford week two, I think it'll be tough for them. Uh, and I think that um, they just they'll kind of fall out like they have in years past uh, because with the loss of uh, Sam Darnold to the NFL. Um, any concern with Florida State coming off that rough year, losing Jimbo Fisher uh, seven and six last year? Um, DeAndre Francois was named their starter for, uh, after he was injured all of last year, but he was the starter two years ago. Uh, what do you think about the Seminoles? Absolutely, Florida State went seven and six last year. That's probably the roughest year they've had since I've been alive, and I'm almost thirty. Uh, they are a traditional powerhouse for the last three to four decades since they've had Bobby Bowden as the head coach. I believe they're going to go through some ups and downs, but because of the recruit, because of the recruiting that they get with the program, they may be more on the up and up at the end of the year, but at the beginning of the year, I think we're going to see them kind of just, it's going to be a roller coaster ride for them. Uh, it's just, I believe Michigan is a team like that as well a traditional powerhouse and also Notre Dame, a traditional powerhouse team that just at the beginning, you're on top of that roller coaster and who knows where it's going to go. But for this year, yeah, I can see Florida State dropping out, but then at the very end of the year, peaking its head back into the top 25. Yeah, you got a really, really big game, um, not only because it's a ranked matchup week one for Florida State, but also just because it's an ACC matchup uh, yep. in conference. Uh, they're yep. in, I don't believe they're in the same uh, division in the ACC. I'm no, not 100% they, sure about that, they, but I don't think they are. They're, I'm pretty positive they aren't as an old Virginia Tech fan. Uh, yeah. And from what I know about Virginia Tech, they have a, an experienced quarterback coming back, and we all know that. They have a defense that will come back. Uh, so it's going to be a great game week one. That's actually one of the games I'm really excited to watch. Also Absolutely. a rematch of uh, the 1999 National Championship game where Michael Vick lost to Carolina Panthers' Chris Winky and Heisman Trophy, uh, Florida State. So uh, excited yeah. to watch that game. I'm excited really just to see DeAndre Francois, see him come back off the injury Same. and see if he can really Same. command the offense. Because, I mean, he had flashes of brilliance. Um, obviously, he came in the year after Jameis Winston yep. left. Uh, so he had a lot of comparisons to Jameis um, and hasn't quite lived up to what Jameis did at Florida State quite yet. Yep. But he has shown flashes of brilliance. Uh, I think Virginia Tech's a good test. Uh, they tested Will Greer last year. It took Will a little while to get in the rhythm against them in the first game of the season. Um, but Virginia Tech's a familiar foe to Florida State. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, always Florida State has a good defense. You, need, you never you never uh, sleep on their defense. Um, as you said, recruiting, if you get good athletes in there, they're going to fill holes. They're yeah. going to play well. Okay. Um, so moving on, we're going to talk about a few of the quarterback uh, controversies, if you will, going into some of the big powerhouses in Clemson and Alabama. You see Clemson, uh, Trevor Lawrence, the true freshman, is challenging Kelly Bryant for um, playing time, and I think he's going to get it too. They played Furman week one, 
Uh, and, you know, that's a pancake game for Clemson, and they're going to get get both their quarterbacks some good work. Um you know, we'll see some. We'll see the, the true freshman get a lot of work and see how he he handles this. I think we'll see a lot a lot clearer picture of the Clemson quarterback situation, seeing how they split up the reps there in Week One against Furman. Uh, as far as Alabama goes, do you what do you think the percentage is that Jalen Hurts really gets a a, a fair look um, of snaps in the Louisville game in the first half? You think that they'll go with Tua, or you think that they're going to really uh, stay true to their word and really give them both a shot? I believe Nick Saban's going to stay true to his word and give them both a shot because Jalen Hurts played all of last year, almost every snap, until, until the national championship game. And while we saw the other quarterback has a special talent and he has an extremely special gift, almost a Tim Tebow-esque, it you still have to give the other player an opportunity to play because he's just as talented too in a different aspect. And that's going to be the most interesting quarterback controversy, in my opinion, to watch will be at Alabama because both of those players could be Heisman Trophy candidates depending on the caliber of play that they play. And it's going to be extremely interesting and they're both special. And it's the reason why they got so far was because of Jalen Hurts. And I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have kind of a different take about it, uh, kind of contradicting what you're saying. Uh, I don't think really they're going to give them both a fair shot. I think two yeah. is really going to win the job early. I think that they may, again, if they go big against Louisville, he'll get some second time work, uh, second half work, I should say. Uh, and I think really what Nick Saban was doing was trying to not let a pissed off Jalen Hurts leave Alabama and go to LSU or go to yeah. Georgia or go to yeah. someone like that that's going to immediately uh, contend against you. So he didn't want someone trying to seek yeah. vengeance on the fact that he felt like he was wrong in the yeah. program. Uh, because, I believe that I can agree. Go ahead. I was going to say because he does have that rule where he tries to not have his players go to SEC teams. Exactly. And I think that uh, what we saw, and I agree with you 100%, Jalen Hurts got him there last year, and I think Jalen Hurts is good, but I do think that players like A.J. McCarron, Greg McElroy yeah. were made by the Alabama system Absolutely. Um, to, to be good enough. Uh, they were exactly – he doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't fumble the ball. You know, he – he takes care of the ball, hands the ball off, <clears throat> excuse me, and, you know, he gets the job done. But if you put someone in like Tua and he electrocuted that offense and put a surge in it against a great Georgia defense last year. Absolutely. Um, whenever you look at that, that's a super team if I've ever seen one. You talk we about the Warriors. We don't see that in football too often, sir. When exactly. When we saw him coming into the national championship game and, and – they're just sitting there waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And he just electrocutes the game immediately and changes the whole aspect of that whole football game. Because if Jalen Hurts played in the second half, we could sit here and say that Georgia would be the national champion this, this, this year. But right. we're not. Exactly. Bama is. And so you are right. And I, I do agree with you in the aspect of at the end of the day, they will go to a just because of the storyline behind it. And it's a beautiful storyline too. A a true freshman from Hawaii goes to Alabama 
the same high school that Marcus Mariota went to and wins the national championship in the second half and no one ever saw him play throughout the whole season, that's something no one saw coming. And that's exactly. a storyline that's going to carry on throughout the next year, which is could carry on to the Heisman Trophy ceremony and the next BCS championship playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think uh, really uh, Tua scares everybody. If, if he comes out and he looks the same that he did before, um, everybody's catching up at that point. Yeah, uh, we can say so, we can definitely say Batman has the best quarterback controversy. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I don't discount Clemson's for the simple fact that, okay, Kelly Bryant came and he played good football. Um, he absolutely. Wasn't, he, he played well last year, but he's playing in the shadow of Deshaun Watson, who took down Alabama, who almost took him down two times. Uh, so Clemson is to the point where their fan base is hungry. They want championships, and that's all they want. They're yep, not worried about the ACC. They're not worried about stuff like that. They want championships. They want to be in the playoff, and they want to be up there with Alabama, not right below them. They want to be up with Alabama or above. So I think that's what's going to create uh, maybe a sense of urgency for Dabo if, say, okay, yeah, they're winning, but they're not, you know, they're, they're kind of close, and he's not liking what he's seeing uh, as far as, how well they're winning, you know, and, and it gets to that point whenever you get to that level of excellence in college football, that good isn't good enough. Yeah. Uh, because whenever the college football playoff comes, you got to have your best, especially whenever you're going against a team like Alabama. But anyways, we'll move on here. Um, we're going to do a little bit of pick them for week one. We've got five uh, of the biggest games, and then obviously we'll highlight the sixth game, which is the WVU game later. Um, first game we're going to talk about is Auburn versus Washington. Uh, really good quarterback battle in this one. Jarrett Sidham for Auburn going up against Jake Browning for Washington like we spoke about earlier. Uh, two guys that are, I believe, both seniors. Uh, Sidham spent a little bit of time at Baylor before he transferred to Auburn. Um, so I believe he's either a junior or a senior via redshirt. Um, but we'll see. That's going to be a huge game. I think it's a bigger game for Washington just simply because they play in the Pac-12 and they don't have uh, as many opportunities to make a statement as Auburn would. Um, Because for me, I mean, Washington, their goal has to be making the playoff this year. They're already ranked number six. Um, You look at them, if they can get past Auburn and run the table against kind of a weaker Pac-12, then that seems all possible. Uh, You look at Auburn, though, they have... They play LSU week three. They play at Mississippi State. They get uh, a and They get the SEC schedule. They get Georgia and Alabama to the last, two of the last three weeks uh, to end the season. So those are statement games late in the season, both at Georgia and at Alabama. Um, so obviously it's going to be a good feather in the cap to start the season off well. Uh, but you look at a team like Washington. Let me pull up their schedule real quick. Uh, you got... After them, you get at Utah, uh, BYU non-conference. Then you've got UCLA, Oregon, decent teams, Stanford, decent teams. But the last three weeks, Stanford Actually, at, at Utah is a trap game. That's a trap game. <laughs> I what, would agree. What, what time is that game? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Is it Saturday or Thursday? Uh, it's uh, the 15th, which is a of course it's on august not september 15th saturday 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 night game saturday, yeah that's a trap game i think that's nc state week too nc state yep that's trap week week two <laughs> you're always trap weeks <laughs> that's right 
That's right. So that's what, can, yeah, that's week three. All, that, that's what week three will be because I don't know why the football schedule is always like that, but it's when top tier programs go into just a weird environment. Week three, week four, it's real difficult sometimes. That's why Texas Tech bothers me about WU. Uh, and I have to look more within the schedule, but like there, there's definitely trap games within certain programs where you go to an area and they're just, it's that weekend where everyone's just partying. It, it's something different. <laughs> and it's just, you're like, what the heck am I in? It's the first feel of true fall weather. Yeah, true fall Everybody's weather. Getting, yeah, so um, let's see. Let me, I'm actually going to. Fast forward here to week three, see what kind of games we've got. BYU, Wisconsin, SMU, Michigan. Of course, we play at NC State. Boise State, o- Oklahoma State. That's an interesting matchup, week what three. That's an matchup. That's a high-power offense. There's another high-power offense. And it's at Oklahoma State. Uh, Alabama, Ole Miss. Ole Miss in Oxford, Mississippi. That's a trap, as always. That's a trap. That's the game they want. Ohio State, TCU, week three. Um, and then, where's that game at? Is that in Dallas? Is that yeah, Jerry yeah, Jerry World. Yeah, I figure. And then the USC, Ur- USC, the Texas. USC, Texas. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, anyways, back to our pick on here. Um, who do you think? Who do you like with Auburn versus Washington, and why? And why? I have some weird numbers about this one. It has nothing to do about the about the teams today. It has to do about the fact that Auburn has lost in Atlanta the last two times to two teams that they should have beat in the first place. So, yes, yes, sir, should have beat them. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I, I'm going to take Washington to this one in a real close one. I think. The quarterback Browning is going to have to really go in there and decipher does he want to be a Heisman Trophy candidate from the get-go or not. And I believe that while it's going to be a tough game, it's going to be a it's going to be a grind-out game. I think Auburn's going to maybe even have the lead until the very end. But I'm going to take Washington. I'm going to go 31 to 30. Field goal wins it at the very end, and they're going to go back home and enjoy it. Uh, it'd be a long trip home, but that's a uh, that's a good pick. Um, I'm gonna take Auburn just simply because of their size. I think their um, their defense is just gonna swallow up Washington, sim- similar to what they looked like when they played Alabama a few years ago uh, in the college football playoff. I'm just gonna take Auburn because of their size and because the, they're from the SEC, their speed, um, and I believe they return a, a running back um, that. It's really good. So next right. one we'll come up is uh, Alabama Louisville. I don't think we really need to um, highlight too much of this. We're got, I'm going Alabama with the spread. They got a 24 and a half point spread. I think uh, Louisville really. Bobby Petrino may put up a fight. Um, maybe he has something brewing and, and uh, can st- get a few quick t- touchdowns to make it close. But I think Alabama pulls away in the second half like they typically do. Um, I'm going. I'm going with the first quarter upset. Louisville will be up six to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but then Alabama will still win by about 28 points. So, does, yeah, I, does Nick Saban break a headset in the first quarter? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because <laughs> he has the best players in America. 
and he's going to lose it when they're playing a little bit mediocre because they're they're playing Louisville. Uh, it's going to be interesting first quarter. I, I, I'm always excited to watch Bama. That first that's game. in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to be partying the night before. <laughs> yeah. So. so, all right. Next up, we got Notre Dame, Michigan. Uh, the old rivalry. It's actually at Notre Dame. A lot of these matchups are at neutral sites. This um, is the game where I have a star on the schedule. This is my game of the week, in my opinion. I, I mean, I think it, it really says a lot. Um, just the competitiveness of the game. Obviously, Notre Dame always has a good enough schedule to where they can drop one early uh, and still, you know, have an opportunity to be considered at, uh, at the end of the year. And so does Michigan really this year. I mean, they always end with Ohio State. It's a statement game along with the Big Ten title game. So uh, this is just really going to be a feeling out game. Uh, A lot of new offense, a lot of um, just new things. I just wanted to talk a little bit before we start talking about our picks. But I want to talk about Jim Harbaugh going into his fourth year. I mean, really, I kind of said the same thing last year. What's the expectation? I mean, are we talking... I mean, I don't see unless he really implodes. If they go, if they go nine and three again, um, I don't see them firing him. But when do we consider this a failed operation? I wouldn't consider it a failed operation yet because of what we saw within the previous era with Rich Rodriguez, Michigan, Brady Hand. Brady Hoke. Thanks for throwing him in the mix, too. (laughs) (laughs) I completely forgot about the San Diego State coach. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's just... And the the, Michigan is that team where come Thanksgiving Day, we're watching Michigan play. Like, it's where New Year's Day, Michigan's on TV. Mm -hmm. So I'm never not rooting for Michigan to do well. And I believe Jim Harbaugh is the perfect coach for Michigan. It's just, it's going to take him time to get Michigan back to the level of where Michigan football used okay, to but, be. Okay, but for four wow. years, four years is, is the college, I mean, if you don't have your crap together in four years, get out, and that not that how it always is? I mean, that's your, you've officially gotten every recruit that you did not recruit out of your system, and it's all your guys. I think, I mean, I do think they, they take a step forward, um, but I, I mean, I agree with you as far as it's not but too bad yet, but I think after this year, I mean, I think if they don't really contend, um, A, if they don't beat Ohio State, because you know how important that is, but if they Absolutely. don't contend, I think we really look at this as, okay, uh, what's the next step? My, we problem is, my problem with Michigan is that they've never had a quarterback since Harbaugh's been there. And yeah, we, we, we do this year. <laughs> and, and now we do. And now yeah. he has the quarterback. So I'm excited to see where he goes with this because I want to see him with a true quarterback or even a true running back. Like Michigan always gets five star recruits when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, DBs, safeties, linebackers, mm-hmm. linemen. But when it comes down to quarterback play and skill position play, they get it at wide receiver, but they don't get it. And they even do get it at quarterback play, but for whatever reason, it doesn't translate into Big Ten football because Big, Big Ten football, Alex Hornibrook is going to succeed with Wisconsin. You don't need that type of quarterback at, in, in, in the Big Ten, or or do you? Seeing let, let, as we go, let, let's kind of just imagine in a hypothetical situation if Jameis Winston played at Michigan. What would that look like? 
I think that would have transformed the game in an essence. And that's where I say, you know, you have a point where Michigan alumni should put Harbaugh at that level because he was a NFL coach and because he has that level of moxie that he should get those type of players to go there. So he should be on the hot seat. So I do see where you are going with that. And, I mean, I think at the same time, I mean, you talk about Big Ten football. What's the, Who's the only team in the Big Ten that doesn't really play Big Ten football? It would be Ohio State. Ohio State. They're the only team that really spreads it out and, and tests yeah. you, and they're the team that's always head and shoulders above the competition in that in that conference. Yeah. Maybe not head and shoulders, but they're always at the top. So, Absolutely. I mean, when you look at that, I think this is a very big opportunity for Michigan to capitalize. They got Shea Patterson. He's a an experienced guy in the SEC. So, uh, he's, he, you know, you can trust him. He's smart. Um, he's been around. Yeah. So, it's some guy that you're not sitting there trying to babysit and feed yeah. the playbook. They're comfortable giving him the whole playbook. They're comfortable with him running the offense. And that's something that they haven't had, as you pointed out, since – Harbaugh's gotten there, um, and that's the, and that's a big difference maker. You know, you can't John O'Corn back there if he's if he can't even understand the play and read the defense. You know, you're already a step behind, and that I mean, you can blame that on the coach if you want on his recruiting, on his lack thereof recruiting, because who can't get a quarterback to Michigan, honestly? So finally, they get their guy. I think this is the year that we really see what Harbaugh's made of, and uh, if he really, um, you know, he, he had Andrew Luck before, so we're gonna give him. I'm gonna make him prove it to me with someone else. Absolutely, and, and another team. While we're just sitting here talking about just Michigan and Ohio State, is Penn State is just right behind. Oh yeah, and, and you're exactly and, right. They have developed. <laughs> they've transformed the last yeah, couple and, of years and, with and James Franklin. Yeah. And absolutely. And, and when I've seen the, the Penn State team that won the big Big Ten title championship against Wisconsin just a year ago, it, it just kind of proved to me that they've, they've came a long way. And honestly, I feel like they've gotten better quicker than Michigan has. And so that's another reason why I think Michigan would, I think Harbaugh would be on the hot seat. Because I mean, you got some teams within that division where you, you have to keep competing. You can only really lose one game. <laughs> so. And I mean, and you look at Penn State. They've had McSorley. They've had, uh, I mean, they've had good quarterbacks. So I, I think I think we've. I mean, honestly, that's they can't move the ball. And then most Michigan games are close because they end up being a field position game where they're kicking field goals if they're lucky because they can't move the ball. So, against the really good defenses that you see throughout the Big Ten. So, um, anyways, we'll go back to the pick, Notre Dame or Michigan. I'm going to take Michigan just because I don't know much about Notre Dame this year. Um, So, obviously, they're going to have a lot of guys that are four-star, five-star guys, um, just like you see at Michigan. But I think Michigan's defense is really good. They return a lot of guys from last year, uh, and I think that they're going to – make this a, a, a grind out game and I think Shea Patterson makes enough plays to get Michigan the win. I'm going to go 24 uh, no, I'm going to go 28-24 I'm going to go uh, 17 to 12 we're in score <laughs> we're in score. Four field goals Yep, Holman's field goal, Twitter score 
whole bunch of turnovers too. I think we're gonna see a whole bunch of mismatch montage of two offenses that just really don't know how to play. I hope it snows. Uh, <laughs> I hope it does snow too, but it probably won't. <laughs> but it's just for whatever reason, whenever I watch these two teams play, that's just what I see. I just always see terrible, terrible quarterback play. I always see fumbles when it comes to players that were top tier athletes. For whatever reason, these two teams just kind of just have turnover issues. I don't know why. I don't understand. Yeah. Notre Dame should be a team where you should be playing on the level of you're going to be a top five tier team every year. And then same thing with Michigan. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a weird game and a whole bunch of turnovers. But it's going to be a good, interesting game. That you're just gonna to want to sit there and watch a whole bunch of two teams just screwing up the whole time, and someone's gonna win it at the end. I think it's gonna either team could win. I think both coaches are gonna be really pissed off because they're gonna see their <laughs> teams playing terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could be one of those games, one of those classic <laughs> games that goes down yeah. the wire, but it really is just ugly, ugly football game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I'm excited to watch it because of the coaches, but I think it's just gonna be like. Hey, hey, hey. It's something to laugh about. We'll yeah. Move on to week two. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Uh, Miami versus LSU. Uh, I think one of the points here to make. Obviously, we talked about Miami, seeing um, how we think they might they may be a little overrated in the rankings. Uh, LSU. Ed Ogeron, uh, I believe, in his second or maybe second full year, third year overall. Um, and I would believe he was he would be on the hot seat. Um, they do finally have a decent quarterback. I think. Uh, guy to Athens, Ohio, actually about an hour from where I grew up. Uh, he went to Ohio State, and then uh, Dwayne Haskins won that job, and he transferred to LSU, and they just named him the starter today. Uh, so hopefully, um, I like Ed Ogeron. I, I mean, I've always kind of rooted for LSU, always kind of against Alabama. Um, not, I, I don't know. I'm excited to see, I think, exactly the same. You can say a lot of the same things about LSU as we've said about Michigan as far as lacking a quarterback, uh, having really a solid defense and having, um, you know, a great special teams, great running game, but really just never having the quarterback to tie it all together here in the last few years. Um, so I think that's what's really setting them apart. If they can get a guy in there that can flow with the offense and move the ball, I think LSU is a dangerous team every season just because of the recruiting they get on defense and the fact that they can, they're can they always going to have great athletes on the defensive side, uh, really quick guys that are that are tough to, tough to score on. So I'm going to go, I think LSU pulls the upset. Uh, wouldn't be talking about, it wouldn't be right to talk about Miami being overrated if I thought they were going to go uh, beat LSU. Um, so I'm going to take LSU. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think LSU wins it 17 to 10. So I think it's a really slow, grinded-out game, and I think I think Miami really struggles, uh, turns the ball over a lot. It may score, maybe a little higher scoring than that, uh, maybe 24-17, something like that. But I do think it's a touchdown game, and LSU wins it. Yeah, I'm going to go the same thing with you on that one with LSU. It's, it's, it's a little bit closer to home. Uh, you're you're gonna see really true talent versus true talent, and true coaching versus true coaching. But at the end of the day, I, LSU is gonna come back. That's a team that I could see coming back and even being in the playoffs this year as a sleeper. Uh, so that that's someone where I think this is this will be the start of a new beginning with LSU of beating a top tier Miami team. 
and we're going to see where things go with this program because this was a team just a few years ago that was always in the top 10. Yep, I agree. Uh, the last game we're going to pick here is Florida State Virginia Tech. Um, obviously, big ACC implications in the week one game. I think this is Virginia Tech's time. Um, I'm going with Virginia Tech in this game. I think it's their time to assert their dominance. Uh, they have a guy coming in, in his second year of work in the offense. Played pretty well last year. Um, could have well, lost a few close games, but I think overall they, he played pretty well. And I think in his second year he'll come out strong. And, and uh, the game is in Tallahassee, so it'll be a tough game to win uh, there. I didn't realize it was in Tallahassee, but I, I guess the conference game will not be neutral site. Um, but... I'm still going to go with Virginia Tech. I think they go in there uh, in the tough atmosphere and they pull out a very, very close game. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think we're going to go be in the 30s. I think it's going to be about 38, 35, something like that, right in that range. Uh, but I think Virginia Tech has a good opportunity. I think they've got a good coach, a great defense, um, and I think the the quarterback plays well um, in familiar territory. I mean, he's used to Florida State. This is not a, a foreign rival to him. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna see what, what what Virginia Tech has and if see if they if they can make this their year in the ACC. I guess my one question about this game is what time is this game? It's is Monday. It's a Monday night game. Yeah, Monday eight o'clock. Eight o'clock game in Florida State. Mm-hmm. As much as I want to take Josh Jackson, who I believe will be the ACC Player of the Year. I believe he will be the best player in the league. It's just, I he hasn't played at Florida State yet because he's a sophomore. Right. Yeah. And when it comes down to hearing that Indian chant, I think it's just going to get to his head. And Florida State's going to eke it out at the very end. I'm going to be rooting for Virginia Tech. I want Virginia Tech to win this game, but when it comes to the pick I'm going to take Florida State just for the sheer fact of the the atmosphere at, at Florida State is just like going to LSU at night. It, there's only a few places in America that it's difficult to win in, in, the, in that environment. And they're they're going to have to make that crowd go real quiet real quick. And I, I just, I just, it's hard for me to see him successfully completing 60 minutes of great football. I think he's going to play well, but at the end of the day, I think Florida State's going to eke it out. It's going to be a great game, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this game. Another key I'm, there for Florida State that I, the only thing that I'm really just leaning towards Virginia Tech is new coach. They lost Jimbo Fisher first year without yeah. Jimbo, so um, I think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be a great game, like you said. Obviously, we have two quarterbacks that have played before and have yeah. experience, so it should be a shootout, in my opinion. But well, and, and we don't know what the environment is with the new coach too, as well. Because Jimbo exactly. could have, Jimbo could have been very stale for those players because Jimbo was on a he's he's getting paid twenty million dollars a year almost. I'd have to actually look at those numbers. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But he was getting, he was the highest paid coach in college football or within the top one or two. Right. So it could have also been a, a situational approach with these players because Florida State. They get the top tier players. They are competing when it comes to recruiting amongst Clemson. It's always Florida State Clemson within the la- within at least the last five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and Clemson silently too as well, which is why Clemson has done so well. Uh, 
So <laughs> the ACC, man, it, people used to think it was a basketball program. It's been a football program like no other within the last two years. Super exactly excited right. to see. Super excited to see what uh, see what will happen with the with the ACC this year. All right, so next we're going to go to our Heisman. Um, who do you think will win the Heisman this year? We've got Bryce Love, running back, Stanford. Um, he killed it last year with a hurt ankle. Um, didn't stop him. Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. Obviously, that system, all Wisconsin running backs are going to look really well, look really good um, running behind that line. Ed Oliver, the defensive end at Houston, is that dark horse defensive player that will have no shot at winning it, but they'll keep him on the boards <laughs> until it gets close to time to vote, and they'll slowly eke him down the, the, the rankings like they always do, uh, unless he comes out and has like 40 sacks or something crazy. Um, Willie, Will Greer out of uh, West Virginia University. Uh, My Col- man. Khalil Tate, the quarterback at Arizona. Uh, Justin Herbert, quarterback at Oregon. Rodney Anderson, running back, Oklahoma. Trace McSorley, quarterback, Penn State. Or Tua Tago Vialoa from the University of Alabama. Who do you have from there, or do you have someone else that you are picking for your I am going, sir, with the fields on this one. Uh, going to the field just because within college football within the last few years, a lot of things change super quickly. While we always believe the hype, for instance, Dak Prescott was going to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, he was a fourth-round draft pick. He did well in the NFL, but still, didn't win the Heisman. Geno Smith, upside, didn't win the Heisman. There, there, it's just there's a lot of players that start at the beginning that we really see that we think could, but Lamar Jackson, we didn't know about him coming exactly. in. Exactly. So and you got a lot of these guys that really aren't that good, and they that, have potential. They're in a good system and a good spot, but yeah. when you look down to it, they don't yeah. have so, they don't have the, the the brain to deal with a Heisman hype. So my true pick, my true pick, is a player that we don't know about yet. It could be a quarterback at Utah. It could be a quarterback at Boise State. It could be, that's my true pick. But I will pick, if it comes down to players that we actually know about, my pick is Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma because I believe in the system that they have. I like they, when they, (laughs) they're lights out when it comes to playing against teams. He can run the ball. They, he All he has to do is put dump off tight ends and 15-yard slants to the, his top five-star wide receivers. And Oklahoma always has three to four running backs that are going to go to the NFL every year. So yeah. I'm, I, I just I feel like Tyler – and on top of that, he's an athlete. He's a pure athlete. He could run the ball. Drafted I, by just, the Oakland A's. Yeah, already got drafted, said, no, I'm going to come back. And the reason why, why wouldn't you want to come back to try to win the Heisman Trophy? Why yeah. wouldn't you want to come back? To oh, and, and oh, by the way, he's already signed a contract with the no. A's. So it, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, getting, it. he's getting his cake yeah. and eating it, too, because they're allowing him to play <laughs> he's like, right. uh, his final year. And so. that's awesome. And, and you know, that kind of even brings me back to the old times of Bo Jackson, one of my favorite players who I idolized while growing up. So I'm just that, that's going to be that's going to be my true pick, but I believe it's going to be someone else that will that will uh, just we don't really know about. There's there's a lot of good contenders with Love and Stanford, 
Will Greer in West Virginia, and even the quarterback at, at uh, Washington, and also the quarterbacks Browning. at yeah, Browning, and then also uh, Tua at Alabama. The, the, we, we have great players, and there could also be a defensive player that comes out, out of the woodwork, but I don't know, the Heisman Trophy within the last few years, we've seen we, we've seen we've seen a lot of just out of out of nowhere players just win win the award. So I really think a freshman may just come on the scene. A freshman quarterback is just going to show up and just run people over, <laughs> and and the and the voters are going to vote for that because Michael Vick. Because everyone wants to go back to 1999 when Michael Vick lost the Heisman Trophy to Chris Winkie. I think a lot of Heisman Trophy voters kind of go back and go, man, reach the pick, Vic. Yeah. Well, um, I think uh, I'm going to go it's probably a homer pick, um, but I'm going to pick Will Greer. Uh, I think, honestly, just, I think that our schedule is difficult. Um, I don't think Tennessee's as tough as they look. Uh, I think the, just simply because they were kind of in shambles whenever uh, their last coach left, um, Butch Jones. Uh, and they have Jeremy Pruitt, the, the old defensive coordinator from Alabama. Uh, he also used to be the D coordinator at Georgia. Uh, so, I mean, they've got a good guy coming in, but it does take time. I think that they're just going to run into a very fundamentally sound team in West Virginia. And I think Will Greer just has the weapons. I think um, we'll talk about more about WVU's schedule later, but I think with Gary, uh, Gary Jennings, Sills, um, Marcus Sims, and then obviously a decent receiving running back, Kennedy McCoy. I think there's just too many weapons there that's going to make his job fairly easy on the offensive side um, because with uh, Jake Spavital, they're going to get the ball out of his hands quickly. They're going to put it in the hands of playmakers, and then whenever nobody's looking, Marcus Sims is going to take off down the sidelines, and nobody can catch him. And, and you know, how nice of a deep ball Will Greer has. So I think um, I, I think he just has the, the tools around him to be successful, and he's the favorite, obviously. That's got to translate into wins because you don't ever see a guy that doesn't either completely destroy everyone in, in statistics. Um, if it's going to be anywhere close to his fellow competitors, he's going to have to be on a winning team. Uh, so I think we – whenever we go back and look here at the beginning of the season, whenever they're looking for the voting, they're going to look at, okay, we played Tennessee, an SEC opponent. Yeah, okay, Youngstown State's FCS, but their top-tier FCS um, at NC State is a tough ACC test if we can get out of there with a win and then get through the entire Big 12 um, you know, gauntlet there. Uh, we have a tough November playing Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and TCU, I believe, all the, the, the month of November. So, it's he's going to have a lot of time to make his Heisman moment and have multiple Heisman moments and possibly uh, on a big stage playing for even a Big 12 title. So that's why I'm going to go with Will Greer, and that will transition us into our WVU portion of the show, um, talking exclusively yes, about the WVU versus WVU. Tennessee matchup. Um, can, I add on, can I add on about Will Greer? Uh, will? Well, yeah, we'll go ahead and start start off um, talking about that. Yeah, you go right ahead. Um, only reason why I didn't pick him for the Heisman is because I don't want to jinx him for the Heisman, <laughs> as he really, truly is my true pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, as uh, 
true facts, I met Will the day after the Virginia Tech game. And I felt like I'd met Will the day of watching him play that game. And I was a server at IHOP and he came in with David Sills. I, I didn't even know that David Sills was at the table until the very end. And all they were talking about was the game and I was interacting with them. And I, and I could just tell with the, not only the way that he interacted with me, and he is a true football player. Not only that, he's a true gentleman, he's a, he's a true man. I've seen him with his own wife and his own daughter. He's a really true guy. Like, so that, that alone is gonna really give, like even if uh, all he has to do is stay upright and play throughout the whole season, and I think that and, says a lot about it as well. Like you just mentioned, is he's a mature guy. He's yeah, an adult. He's super he's, mature. He's 23. Yeah. Uh, how, how many 23-year-old quarterbacks are in college football this year? It, probably not very many. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that goes a long way as well as uh, being poised. He comes from a family that has fame. He's not afraid of the spotlight. It's not going to scare him. It's not going to affect his play. Exactly. Uh, the only thing that's going to affect it is his execution of the playbook and, and the plays that are called. So, I think that with that, he just has the poise to be holding the trophy at the end of the year. Um, and it would be amazing for WVU to, to have a, his, a Heisman winner. His family is very humble because I even asked his brother what he did when it came to podcasts and whatnot and he couldn't really even explain it um, but ESPN runs articles on it and it's just you know it explains to me that they're very humble people and there's a super nice in general so I mean it's hard not to root for them Absolutely. Uh, and I, I can definitely understand why ES, ESPN's been you know, rooting for this guy the whole time. And remember, he went six and zero in the SEC. Yeah. He he started off as a true freshman and went six and zero on a Florida offense that couldn't even score the ball. And once he left, they couldn't score for. Oh, and, two and, and, and by years. the way, came back, came back, <laughs> came back to beat Tennessee yeah, that year. Came back to beat Tennessee that year, which is why I'm. Which is the game that I always watch when it comes to uh, Will Greer. Yeah. So I'm super well, pumped first, to uh, see him play against Tennessee. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to go into uh, actually start off with talking about this uh, story that I read today. Um, Tennessee released their depth chart, uh, mm-hmm. and it had um, instead of ranking a lot of their positions one, two, three on the depth chart, they had a lot of this player or this player or this player will be yeah. playing at this position, which is legal um, the week before the first game and only the week before the first game. Going into week two's game, all the, all the teams will have to have them labeled as one, two, and three on the depth chart. Um, but they sent it in and they submitted it with a bunch of oars. So it kind of threw off. Uh, obviously, you're trying to game plan for the players you're going to see on the field um, in that simply just takes that away and doesn't tell WVU who's going to be on the field for Tennessee to start the game. Uh, and so Dana Holgerson kind of had some fun with it. And he said, well, we they oared us first, so we went back and oared them back. So apparently WVU released their um, depth chart, and I have that here. And we have at the running back position, they have Kennedy McCoy or Martel Petaway or Alex Singfield or Letty Brown. So they don't have any of them listed, so we don't know who's actually going to be out there. You would assume Kennedy McCoy would take the first team reps, but since he has been there the longest and been the heavily, uh, most heavily used running back that we still have in the backfield, but you look at Alex Singfield as a yeah. sensation. Um, people are talking about him, so we don't know. 
Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. We've got two people listed at center, two people listed at right guard. Not Ooh. none of them ranked defensive end, um, the cornerback. So we just got a lot of guys. I thought that was kind of a little funny back and well, forth there to start. When I saw that, honestly, I didn't realize that there was a back and forth between W and Tennessee. I honestly saw that and really just I just assumed as a W fan that was how we were going to rotate our running backs in and out because we usually play three to four running backs because we usually, with since Dana has been here, we were pass, pass heavy, but then we went to really run heavy offense. And if we're going to try to keep Will up up tight, we're, we probably should run the ball pretty heavily against Tennessee. And we should probably only be passing the ball when we have that most passing options. So I kind of just assumed that we were going to actually really actually use all four running backs. Um, <laughs> But, and you may be you may be correct and and yeah and that's honestly because whenever I saw it it didn't jump out to me that there was an, an, an outstanding number of those but yeah that, I did read that, that story actually, that that jumped out to me at the moment I saw the uh, I saw the depth chart yesterday because yeah. I was like whoa whoa we got four running backs but I only recognize four, I recognize <laughs> three of them yeah <laughs> but I was like you know what most likely because we 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 we're usually we, we're supposed to be a pass heavy offense. But within the last few years, when we had Wendell Smallwood, when we had um, Charles Sims, yeah, with Sam, yes, Sam Smallwood, and then also, I mean, I feel like Kenny McCoy's been here forever too with Shell. <laughs> like we just kind of rotated running backs per se, and so I just always feel like Dana is always going to want to have the next running back be ready for that opportunity because you never know. I mean, that's how we found Steve Slayton. That's how we found other young that's how we found other young running backs as well. So so do you do you anticipate a, a heavier dose of passing to start the game to try and get Will going or do you think that it's going to be a pretty um, a pretty evenly evenly played game or evenly play called game? I feel like it's going to be very moderate, a very evenly uh, play calling game. Eventually, Dana's going to want Jake Stavadol to open it up. But I feel like at first, they're going to go out there, kind of run the ball a little bit, throw a couple of quick dumps, and kind of spread it out, see where the weakness is on that Tennessee defense. Right. Because as, as you said, Tennessee's not re- releasing a depth, a depth chart. we got to find the weakness. And, and that's where I think David Sills is going to really come in, in, into play because he truly looks like the next Wes Welker. So... I, I the, that that's where I think W will open it up. But at first, they're going to be a little conservative. From what I've seen, when it comes to Dana's offense, he he doesn't go out there and try to jam it in your face at first. He kind he always goes and looks to see where the weaknesses are within defense, and sometimes it backfires. But the majority of the time in these games, I think. Our coaching staff is going to absolutely do what we have to do to win this game, and I think that, will definitely come on top. I think a lot of the time we we try and control the tempo of the game too much when we get a lead, and I think honestly, if we're you know, especially against an SEC team like this, um, in the past we'll get a lead, we'll get a 14, 17 point lead, and we'll go ahead and start running the ball two or three times in a row, or we won't. We'll, you know, we'll we'll pull, throw a play, a, throw a screen that gets blown up or something like that, and then all of a sudden they get the ball game. 
and our defense just hasn't in the last however many years been strong enough to say, all right, go out there and get me a stop. I feel confident. Um, hopefully against Tennessee, who struggled on offense the last few years, uh, our defense can keep them more in check. But when you look at a team like Oklahoma, if we even get anywhere close to a lead, we, we can't keep it things like that so I just feel like that we just it's the same deal kind of in basketball for WVU I feel like we uh, we kind of take the foot off the gas pedal and we try and coast to the victory well it's only the third quarter so there's plenty of time left and it's still a two possession game I just think we can't get if we get out to an early lead we need to keep the foot on the gas pedal keep throwing the ball downfield and just get as big of a lead as possible because if we're going to be anywhere close to our full potential this year we're going for a college football playoff berth and the only thing that's going to make you look better is winning by double digits and against an SEC team on a neutral site week one so I, I think the keys to the game is obviously getting the offense going early uh, I think that our defensive line is going to be the key for our defense um, first down, I think, is going to be big because Tennessee's going to try and run the ball. I think if we can blow up some of their runs early, put them in a second and long, and make them throw the ball, I think that's going to be really beneficial for our defense, maybe cause some turnovers and things like that. Um, Drayvon Askew Henry is uh, a um, senior. I believe he's a senior safety. Uh, he's... He's one of the best. Hopefully he can go and make a few turnovers, make a few big plays. Uh, and I think, honestly, if we can just hold them on the run game, then I think force them to pass. They're going to have to put their quarterback, who they still have not have yet to name, um, they're going to put him in a tough spot and make him make a decision and hopefully make them uncomfortable enough to um, give, us, give us enough turnovers and good field position to, to win the game. And then, again... If you've watched WVU football, any WVU fan knows that we, for some reason, can't catch a punt or we can't kick a field goal or we can't, can't switch the field with a punt. Special teams is just going to be huge in this game because if we can't get the, the, the you know the offense going like we want to early, it's got to be we got to have good punt coverage, good kickoff coverage because at the end of the day, we've, we're playing some great athletes. Uh, any SEC yeah. team has great athletes, uh, yeah. especially a storied franchise like Tennessee, a storied school, I should say, like Tennessee. Um, they're going to have the guys that if you give them open space, they can beat you regardless of, of who you have out there. So uh, I think special teams is going to be honestly the biggest key to the game. Absolutely. So we'll see how it goes. Um, what do you think? I mean, obviously, there's this is a very loaded question, but the chance of, of making the playoff for the Mountaineers, where, how many losses can we have and to who? Uh, to who? The only loss we can have is to Oklahoma and maybe a team early on if we lose to Tennessee week one. But then we went out at the very end. I think the only way if we lose, I think if we lose a game in the first three weeks, we have to win out. If we win our first three weeks game, we can afford one loss. I don't think we can afford an early and a late loss just because we're West Virginia to make to make college make the playoff. There's Um, a slight chance if we go undefeated going into Oklahoma and then we lose to Oklahoma by a point or two or something really wild at the very end, and then we play them. Again, or, or or if we don't even play them, but we play another team in, in the Big 12 championship game and then 
beat them 55 exactly. to nothing and then we'll <laughs> then we'll then we'll <laughs> be the poor seed because yeah. will because the thing is that they're going to want to highlight will will is going to be a player he's touchdown jesus sir exactly. he, he, he is he is the, he is the quarterback of all quarterbacks this year he is the best quarterback and I'm he's excited. a marketable number one overall pick yes sir and he will be he will be the number one pick absolutely Leaving it. Especially if the Bills are there. Because right. Josh Allen doesn't work out. <laughs> nah, I, think, I think he's going to go to Miami. I think the Dolphins are going to really be that bad. <laughs> they could be. <laughs> Tannehill tears his ACL again. But, yeah. I mean, I would agree. I think I think if we have an early win, or I'm sorry, an early loss, we got to win out. I think um, it's going to be tough. I mean, obviously, we're playing the Big 12. It's a great league. Um, we'll see how it goes. What do you think? What, what's your score prediction for the Tennessee game? What, what do you think? We'll end on this. Oh, man. I have no idea. I, I have no idea. But I'm going to go with uh, 49 to uh, 49 to 49 to 13. It's going to be a close game. <laughs> and then in the second quarter, we're just going to start blowing them out. And then it's just going to be silly because Will's, Will's going to be playing at home 15 minutes away from Davidson, North Carolina. And uh, it's I think eventually we're just going to kind of just eventually just start blowing them out because Will wants to win that Heisman. So. I was going to go 38-17. 38 Yeah. You, you kind of took it pretty crazy there with blowout. I mean, I, I would much rather you be right than me, but... Still, I'll take either one of those. I'm going to go 38-17, I think. Like you say, I think it'll be close. I think we score late in the second, or late in the first half uh, to take a 10-point lead, and then we score to open the second half and take a commanding lead and don't look back. Um, I think, I hope, anyways. Well, I, I, I'm going to message Jania on Instagram because, as you know, they, she actually does respond to me because we are friends and... Uh, I'm going to let her know it's my 30th birthday, so we'll need to go out there and throw five times sentence. Send her a link to the podcast, too. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. All right. Well, that, that's that been Lemon on the Edge today, um, our college football version. Post me uh, on the edge. Yes, sir. So um, we'll, we'll be back next week with uh, with all the results and looking forward to a week two. Anything Absolutely. else for me, Dave? Yeah, just NFL week one starts after that, too. Oh, yeah. We might have to do a double episode. Hey, and by the way, your Pirates won yesterday, Jake. Uh, no, don't, Jake, don't, don't confuse Jake the listeners. Fisher. Don't confuse the listeners. <laughs> That's a completely fictional MLB The Show team. I'm not a Pirates fan. 